We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Saturday! Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Hope your weekend is starting off well. Really appreciate you being here. If you haven't yet had the chance to subscribe, easy enough. Just hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to this on an audio podcast, give that five-star review. Again, subscribe if you haven't already. But more than anything, just really appreciate you being here and making Pack-A-Day part of your daily routine. means a ton, so thank you. I actually want to kick things off today with a slightly interesting topic, and that's Patrick Taylor. And more interestingly enough is that Patrick Taylor, as I'm recording this very early, I guess, actually very late on Friday night, has not yet been signed back to the Packers roster in any capacity. Now, he was released, and in that case, he was waived because he has to go through waivers once he released. So just to backtrack a little bit, he had been on the practice squad the entire time. They had utilized his three practice squad call-ups already, which means if they wanted to put him on the active roster, they had to actually sign him to the active roster, to the 53. They couldn't just call him up. So that's exactly what they did uh, prior to the start of the Raiders game. Remember, they released Justin Hollins, added Patrick Taylor to the 53-man roster, and then on Tuesday, after the game, they released Patrick Taylor and added Justin Hollins back onto the active roster. All conventional thinking led everyone to believe that Patrick Taylor would just be back on the practice squad and everything would sort itself out naturally. 
That hasn't happened yet. Now, Patrick Taylor has not been claimed by any other team, so he cleared waivers. He's an unrestricted, or I guess just a street free agent at this point. He has not signed to any other team's practice squad, but most notably, he has not yet signed back to Green Bay's practice squad. There was one, and I will say report loosely on Twitter, that Patrick Taylor would not be returning back to Green Bay. Maybe that person, and I you know, I don't honestly know the source uh, who it was. I, I don't even know if I could find it again if I wanted to, but there was one person, I guess, on Twitter that said that Patrick Taylor will not be returning to Green Bay. It was not a reputable source, so it's not anything that I can go off of or use for any sort of you know real news or noteworthy you know information. But maybe sometimes you'd be surprised at how often I get like a random DM of like, hey, Packers are working out this player today, and then they work out that player, or that something on Reddit is like, hey, this player is getting cut, and then they get cut. Sometimes this stuff just goes around, but there is, as far as I have seen, not been any Rob Domovskis, Bill Hubers, or anyone that is Tom Silversteins that have reported that Patrick Taylor is not coming back to the Packers. So just interesting. Could it happen anytime now, any day? As he, you know, as everyone kind of comes back from the bye week, yeah, it absolutely could. And I still sort of kind of expect it to happen. If not, they need to add another running back to the practice squad because right now your entire running back depth chart is Aaron Jones, Emmanuel Wilson, and and, uh, AJ Dillon on the active roster. And that's it with Aaron Jones kind of going through some of the issues he's been going through with his hamstring. You would want another running back on the roster, even if it's just the practice squad in some capacity. So you could call that player up. Probably not much else to really talk about there. Just if nothing else, interesting that Patrick Taylor, at least as a recording of this episode, has not yet been signed back to the Green Bay practice squad roster or anything else as of this point. All right, let's jump into our main topic for today, and that is my week five offenses, offensive and defensive grades for this past week. The offensive grades were in fact offensive. Oh, that tape again was brutal to watch. It was not fun. I do not recommend it. Do not go through and watch the all 22 of that game. It will not give you joy and hope and anything else. Just one of those games. And it's been that way for a few weeks now. They got away with it in New Orleans with a really impressive fourth quarter, but the majority of that game was a nightmare. The Lions game was a nightmare and the Raiders game on offense, at least was a nightmare as well. There were some positives to take away always on both sides of the ball, but specifically on defense, but let's go with offense first. Some good news here. My highest graded player this week was AJ Dillon with a plus 0.5 grade. Was this a memorable A.J. Dillon performance? A 20-carry, 140-yard, two-touchdown with three receptions and, you know, 40-yard sort of game? It was not. But this was much better from A.J. Dillon. Once again, showed up in pass protection and in blocking, and he blocked very well in this game when given the opportunity. It wasn't a ton, but when he was asked to, he did it well. And then there were other plays where a lot of his negatives and why he didn't quite have the yards per carry that maybe you would like from your starting running back. There's a play that I posted on Twitter where there's he gets the handoff and there are four Raiders waiting for him right there. The run blocking in this game still was not good enough, up to par, up to standard, whatever you want to call it. And I thought AJ Dillon did a really nice job of getting some yardage out of what a lot of times was nothing there. And when there was a hole or a slight 
space for AJ to get through. More often than not, for really one of the first times this season, he got through those holes and did pick up some positive yardage. So I thought this was a much better performance from AJ. Once again, not a crazy memorable performance. You're not going to be telling your grandchildren about AJ Dillon's, what, like 80 yard performance, 70 something yard performance against the Raiders on Monday Night Football when the offense completely blew for the day. But I still think it was a positive step in the right direction for Dylan and hopefully something that he can gain a little bit of momentum from moving forward. So highest graded Packer on offense, AJ Dylan plus 0.5 grade. And then let me just say this. If your second and third highest graded Packers are at plus 0.1, and even if your first one's at plus 0.5, but especially if your second and third are at plus 0.1, it is a very, very, very bad day. Like that, that's a basically a neutral grade for your number two and number three players. If your second and third best players for the day are grading neutral, whew, you are in a very, very bad spot. And clearly Green Bay in this game was in a very, very bad spot. Even worse is that number two on my list, well, the next two are tied, but uh, the, the next two are Dontavian Wicks and Zach Tom. And even worse than what I was saying is Dontavian Wicks, didn't it's not like he was a starter playing 60 70 snaps in this game he was kind of a spot performer came up with a, a really nice third down catch and just kind of you know blocked okay didn't do a whole lot overall but he continues to get open when given the opportunities and we probably need to start having the conversation of does Dontavian Wicks need to start playing a little bit more in fact he's one of my highest graded players on offense so far this season which also by the way not a great sign because it's not like he's a super productive player but he is getting often more often than not getting open more often than not and that's a positive sign for a young player but Dontavian Wicks plus 0.1 number two on my list and then number three Zach Tom also plus 0.1 who did not have his best day I don't think I need to say that even out loud, but I will anyway. That's in large part due to Max Crosby. Now, I don't adjust for who you're playing against. I mean, that would be really difficult to do because like, how are you going to do a sliding scale of like every single player in the NFL of who they're playing against any given Sunday? So I'm not adjusting here because he played against Max Crosby, but I do think a lot of the, the negative plays were against Max Crosby, which is a tough ask on any given Sunday. And then, you know, I think more importantly, there were there were still positives from Zach. There were a couple of run plays where he blocked actually very well, which has not been the case for this offensive line as a whole. And in pass protection, a lot of times what would happen is there would be somebody that would be chipping ahead of him. So it'd be like a tight end is chipping them. And then by the time that Max Crosby gets to Zach Tom, the ball's already out of Jordan Love's hands. And Zach Tom didn't even need to necessarily do anything, which is a lot of neutral graded plays on the day. So not not Zach's best day or performance and nothing, again, to write home about overall. But I know he gave up some pressures specifically to Max Crosby. I didn't think this was a terrible game. And on the whole, I thought it was just about a neutral or very slightly above neutral uh, grade and game for Zach Tom. My bottom three offensive grades, it will probably not shock or surprise you to see Jordan Love as my lowest graded Packer on the day, negative 1.80 grade. Just a overarching idea of grades. If you do something really, really well, it's going to be a very big grade. If it, if you do something that is going to give your team a much better chance to win, an insane touchdown pass, an insane touchdown run, catch, anything's a big interception, a pick six, those sort of things are going to get you big grades. On the flip side, if you do something that it's a huge turnover, big interception, fumble, whatever the case may be, it's going to be a massive negative. If you give up a game-winning touchdown, whatever, it's going to be a big negative. So when you have three interceptions on a day and don't really even it out with a ton of big explosive playmaking plays, 
you're going to end up with a significant, you know, negative. And in this case, Jordan Love, negative 1.80 grade. The first one, let's talk through the first interception. These are plays that far more often than not, like the Packers have run and you are almost on just like autopilot. It's that you're like doing the, like the little like fake handoff and you're going to your right and the linebackers bite up and there's this huge gap in the middle of the field. Now the one to Watson against the Lions, I don't think Watson ran that route the wrong, the right way or either that or he was spaced in the wrong spot when he lined up at the line of scrimmage, but the spacing was off on that one. And that's another one where you usually do that quick fake handoff, linebackers bite up and you like just get your head up and rip it. And that window's there every single time. So that's almost, those are like almost autopilot throws for, for Jordan and, and even Aaron over the course of the past few seasons. Like you could almost do it blindfolded. That's how open those plays have been. So why weren't they open against Detroit and against the Raiders? First of all, when you put stuff on tape enough, I don't care how successful a play has been in the past, you're not just going to keep giving it up you're going to find solutions to things. And defenses have started to find solutions to these very quick play action plays where, you know, Jordan Love in this case is doing the quick fake and turning his head and pulling the ball and ripping it. Now defenders are getting into those passing lanes better. Anytime you put stuff on tape enough, teams are going to pick up on it. They're going to learn from it. Teams have started to pick this up a little bit more. But more importantly, if you're not running the football with any level of consistency, or maybe even better put, you're not running the football with any sort of danger to the opposing defense. If you're ripping 20, 30, 40 yard runs at any given moment, and or, or just consistently picking up eight, nine yards and you're not stopping the run on the day, those linebackers, those safeties, they start getting up there more and being, because they know they have to stop the runner. It's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. We're very familiar with that theme on the other side of the ball. But they know they have to bite up. They know they have to account for the run just in case they do hand it off because you're just getting beat to death by it. Green Bay's running game has not beat anyone to death all season long. They can't get explosives, nor can they even come close to averaging four yards per carry. So if you do hand it off and he gets his four yard carry, bravo. Congratulations. We'll see you next down. We're not going to sweat it. In fact, our linebackers might take a very small false step towards the line, and then we're just going to abandon back into our zones, and those throwing lanes aren't going to be there. Now for Jordan, just because that's something that in practice and in the past, it's been a free passing lane, and it's been free money, automatic, like you said, you do it blindfolded, whatever, doesn't mean that that's always going to be the case. And you always have to have vision on where you're throwing the football. And in this case, specifically this week, Jordan's throwing and you know, as I know JT O'Sullivan pointed out as well, and I think it's fair to point out just watching the tape, if if that linebacker, if uh, Spillane doesn't intercept it, the other linebacker at minimum is getting his hands on it. If not, maybe having a chance for a pick as well. You never want to throw to have the opportunity to be picked twice. And that's what that throw was. So a horrible decision by Jordan and horrible vision. And even if you like are late getting your head up, don't just follow through, like just ground that thing into the ground if you can at the last second, do what you need to do because otherwise that can happen and you give up a catastrophic, potentially catastrophic interception deep in your own territory. Thankfully, the defense was able to get away with only allowing three points from that, but that is a very difficult read for Jordan. Now, the second one to Christian, you could make the argument that you'd like to see Christian come back to that a little bit better, maybe run a little bit of a crisper route so the corner can't get quite as good of a read on it. But 
you have to know the safety's over the top on that, which gives the corner carte blanche to potentially jump that route. And when you're hitting your back of you know your back foot to start to rip this thing, the corner's crouching and starting to make that read and starting to come in and attack that that dig route or excuse me the the comeback route that you're running. You that you have to know that if that corner is crouching on that thing, that they could explode to that ball and either pick it off themselves or that's now a contested play in the middle of the field where that ball can go anywhere. And I love that Jordan has the confidence in Christian and in his own arm strength to get the ball there. But you have to know this is a close game. It's middle of the field. It's going to be contested. That's one where you probably just want to live to see another down and, you know, figure it out on the on the next player, on the next series, whatever you need to do, because you don't want to give the ball away there. You have to have a little bit more care and just reverence for the ball and making sure that you're not giving the opportunity for the other team to find a way to get a turnover. That's a, at best, a contested throw and in a worst case, an interceptable throw. So that's one that Jordan would like to have back as well. And then the final one, and this is just where you're at from a team right now, a team standpoint, Elton gets beat inside. Christian Watson, awesome route, maybe his best route of the day. And it's not like he did anything super amazing, but he just gets free. He's wide open. Matt LaFleur is jumping up and down on the sidelines to throw it to Watson. And as as Love is getting ready to throw it downfield to a wide open Christian Watson for a potential game-winning touchdown, and how much different will we be talking about Jordan and this team if he throws that game-winning touchdown again? Instead, Elton allows the pressure, and now Jordan has to step up. But now Jordan compounds the program, uh, compounds the problem. Excuse me, he compounds the problem in a variety of different ways. The first one is that he's throwing off. Well, the first one is he's throwing late. There's no window to this. And maybe you could put it on a dart towards the back of the end zone, but it's going to be a very difficult play for Christian to make and to you know just even get it in there in any capacity, much less the ball that he throws, which we'll go to in just a moment. But it's just late and there's not, a, there's not really a great window there. This number two thing is that Samori Toure is coming open on the crossing route. So even if you are deciding to throw on this play, you probably want to go to Toure rather than Watson and find the, the better opportunity, the more completable pass on that play. And it's going to be an explosive probably inside the 10, maybe even inside the five yard line to Toure if he gets his eyes up and finds Toure on that, on the secondary read. The third thing is that when he does throw to Watson, his mechanic, because he's throwing kind of on the run, he's throwing off platform, he's kind of throwing across his body. It's all just disjointed. And what you end up with is a ball that flutters, hangs in the air, and is a better opportunity, is underthrown for the corner to pick it off and, and catch it than Christian Watson. Would I like to see Watson go up and at minimum, at least start playing defensive back and try to knock that thing away? Heck yeah, very much so. But Jordan gives him a bad ball. It's a 50-50. It's probably like a 90-10 for the corner. And the corner goes up, makes a great play and picks it off. Kudos to the corner, but you this this was, problem was compounded all the way along from bad blocking to then a bad decision to throw the ball, a missed decision to hit Toure, poor mechanics on the throw, an underthrown ball, maybe not enough aggression to try to go knock that thing away from Watson. And what do you end up with? A game losing interception, a game losing throw. Is it just on Jordan? No. Would you like to see Watson and Jenkins and you know those guys play better on that play to give it the whole opportunity a, a better shot for Jordan? Yes. But Jordan makes mistakes on it too. So that's where I was at with Jordan. He had some really nice plays. He had the stiff arm to you know Max Crosby, which was a fun play. The really nice run on the bootleg where he picks up what like 20 some yards on a scramble. 
couple nice throws. I thought the throw to DeGuara where he just kind of easily placed it up and, and over the defender and, and you know, just like a nice little touch throw to DeGuara along the sideline so DeGuara could accelerate and get upfield. There are some things like that that I really liked. A couple quick out routes to convert on third down to, to pick up first downs. I thought there was even uh, a couple throws where, you know, maybe his receivers could have helped him out a little bit more. The last drive, Romeo Dobbs has a drop. Luke Musgrave has a drop. It's just every, everyone can help each other out a little bit more. And you start doing that and you start getting winning performances. This wasn't a great winning performance from Jordan. It's one that he can learn from, but this has been his toughest game of the season by far so far. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule and flexible to your individual needs. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pack a day. 
Hello friends, today we're brought to you by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using code PACKADAY for 20% off plus free shipping. I recently picked up Manscaped's new handyman and friends it is amazing. There are so many incredible aspects, but the fact that it has one guard that can trim to 20 different beard lengths is a game changer. Their skin safe technology is legit and getting through a full shave without any nicks and cuts gives me all the confidence in the world to go for that smooth, close shave. Oh, and you can use it for wet or dry use as well. So this amazing device does absolutely everything. Right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code packaday at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Rashid Walker, negative 1.00, was my second lowest graded offensive player. It's been a struggle for him, and it would be one thing if this was just against Max Crosby and, you you know, just say live to see another day, but this was a lot against like Malcolm Kuntz and some of the other Raiders. I thought from a pass block standpoint, there were times where he looked okay. Run blocking was much bigger of an issue for for Walker. He got beat inside clean by by, uh, Crosby on one specific play. I'll just say this. I'm still not ready to give up on Rashid Walker. I do feel like there's something there. I think he just needs to find his rhythm and his his technique a little bit more. And I do think there is a starter potentially in there somewhere. He just needs more time in seasoning. You would ideally have that on the bench and not as a starter, but I'm not willing to give up on him yet. I'm not, I'm not to the point of like, hey, just nuke this idea. It's gone. I do think he can develop. I really do. Do I maybe expect it? Eh, not quite ready to go there, but I do think there's still something there and I want to see that continue to play out. But this was another tough game for Rashid Walker. And then on the other side of things, I am just quite frankly ready to be done with the Josh Meyer situation. And that's easier said than done because you don't have a lot of great options along the offensive line. Yes, you could move Zach Tom. I don't really want to move Zach Tom. What You could move Elton Jenkins. Don't really want to move Jenkins. I don't know what you do. This is not a starting NFL center. I've watched it for three years now. He is not an NFL starting caliber center in this league or guard or any other position. He does not have it. He does not have the intensity. He does not have the physicality. 
He does not play with any level of violence. It it at times it looks like he just doesn't care. Like he, he's just kind of going through the motions. He looks like if you explain to a 6'5", 320 pound offensive lineman what often like he never saw football before, and you explain to him like what like if, if this was just like a 6'5", 320 pound actor and you explained to him for the first time what football was and he had to go out and act it out, that's what that's what Josh Myers looks like playing football. The ultimate looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. And I'm not, you know, I, I hate talking like that, just full transparency. I, I, I want Josh Myers to be good. And I hope like, heck, he proves me wrong. And just, and I can go back and be like, wow, I was an idiot. I, I want this guy to succeed. I was wrong on my evaluation of Josh Myers too. I didn't think he was Creed Humphrey. But I thought he was going to be, I thought he was a legitimate second round graded center that was going to come in and be a, you know, eight to 10 year starter in Green Bay. And people would, you know, maybe never forgive quite the Creed Humphrey thing, but maybe forget about it just because he would come in and play well. No, he is not. He's, he's, it's, it's been a struggle and it's been disappointing for a second round, a second round center. That's a big time premium pick and just did not turn out in any way, shape or form so far. Hope that I'm wrong moving forward. And hope that he just goes out and has a Pro Bowl career the rest of his career and just dominates. That would be awesome. I would love that. But it just it's not good enough from Josh Myers. And right now it's really getting difficult to watch him play uh, week in and week out as a starting center in the NFL. Just being fully real. As much as I hate to say that, I hope he goes out and balls out. But it hasn't been good enough so far. Honorable mentions. We could almost say the same thing about John Runyon Jr. so far this year. Now he has had the ankle injury going back a couple weeks now. But even before that, he's my lowest graded offensive player so far, John Running Jr. So we can talk about Josh Myers, but Running's graded out worse so far. And that's super disappointing because this is a contract year for John Running Jr. I thought he was going to go out and have his best season, go get a big contract in the offseason. I'm still hopeful that he can go out and play a much better brand of football than he has so far. I just don't see it right now. And this goes back to last year, 20, you know what, 2021, really good season. 2022, not at all. 2023, not at all so far. And that's, again, one of my most disappointing players on the year is, is John Runyon Jr. And the offensive line, we know, but like, man, it's pass blocking, it's run blocking, it's a little bit of everything. Right now, those guys need to be better. They need to be a lot better because specifically Runyon, we've seen play good football. He is just not at that level right now. And even Elton Jenkins, another one, negative 0.5 grade this week. He hasn't looked like the, the same Elton Jenkins either. And remember last year, early coming off the ACL, he had a really, really bad start to the year. And he just kind of chalked it up to the ACL and him playing tackle. And once he moved back to guard, it was better. In the second half of the year, he looked much, much better. So far this year, even prior to the injury, and now after the injury, hasn't quite looked like Elton Jenkins yet. I think he's going to settle down and be fine, but that's even been slightly disappointing so far. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball where there's some more positive takeaways. My top three defensive graded players, Razul Douglas, plus 1.2, awesome week. Not only was he all over the trick plays, um, almost comes up with an interception, has a couple other pass breakups. He was really kind of making sure everyone, or at least after the play, knew if they you know, screwed up an assignment. He's all over it. You can tell the attention to detail that he plays with. He plays with energy. He plays with intensity. He's, he's an awesome player to watch. He's really, really fun right now. He had a rough game against Detroit. And always, you know, when that happens, you're wondering, you know, is he going to bounce back? 
He bounced back in a massive way. Highest graded player easily this week. And just go watch the. If you do want to watch something from this game, go back and watch Razul because he had a really, really great game. Matched up a few times with Devonte Adams, held his own against Devonte. Big time week for Razul. Rudy Ford plus 0.6, one of the biggest surprises of the year. He's had a really nice start to the year, kind of picking up where he was earlier last year. Is kind of this really pleasant surprise tapered off at the end of last year. And then he kind of picked off, uh, picked up this year where he was earlier last year. He's made some really big plays already. Rallies to the football, plays you know intense, you know uh, physical football. Tackles pretty darn well. Not always the most fleet footed. Doesn't always take the greatest angles. But I really like what I've seen out of Rudy Ford. He's a legitimate starting safety right now, and he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he's been playing through five weeks. Number three might be slightly surprising. Jonathan Owens, plus 0.35. He played a little bit more when uh, Darnell Savage went out and then they kind of used him in a variety of different ways. They used him sometimes in the box. I thought he tackled well. I thought he covered well. Uh, He had a a play deep where he covered deep. He had a play intermediate where he covered kind of like a Texas route. Uh, Just overall, pretty nice performance for a guy coming in pretty cold off the bench and having to play kind of some of his first legitimate playing time this season. Didn't look great in preseason, but his first regular, real regular season action this week looked pretty darn good. So nice outing for Jonathan Owens. My lowest three graded players this week, Keyshawn Nixon, negative 0.7. Probably the biggest one you'll remember is just that crossing route near the end zone where Razul was all over him. You could tell it was something that they practiced. They knew it was coming. They communicated pre-snap for Keyshawn to jump that. If Keyshawn plays that right, he might jump that, pick it off, and take it to the house, and Green Bay wins the game. And that's why you could tell Razul was so upset about it after the play, because it's just a kind of a simple cross, and Keyshawn gets sort of just caught napping, and then just makes a ridiculous dive towards the ball. It literally looked like the Zach Tom belly flop that where he like flopped after a play to get a penalty. Like Nixon just goes like diving. It, it was just a bad play all around. Had a couple other plays in coverage that he would like to have back. He struggled a little bit in coverage. I still have faith in Keyshawn Nixon, and I, you know he plays with confidence, but it's been a little bit of a tough start to the season at corner. Speaking of which, at edge, Lucas Van Ness, another play. We talk about that Rudy Ford play where Rudy Ford's 10 yards back in the end zone and they give up the touchdown and Ford has to just try to basically tackle him when he's already in the end zone. You can tell that Lucas Van Ness was supposed to drop on that play. Now, I don't know if he was supposed to like back out and almost play like an outside linebacker in what basically I think would have looked exactly like the Preston Smith play and where Preston goes out and plays in like a, in, against Devontae Adams. I think he's supposed to drop there. Now, I think he's supposed to be in that zone and then Ford is going to be off more. Now, you would like somebody pre-snap to like, at least make sure that he's doing it. Now it's, you, you don't want to tip your hand too much, but if you're not sure, you might need to call a timeout in that situation just to make sure that Vanessa knows, but he takes a false step forward and then he tries to kind of go back into zone. And by that time it's already over. It's the easiest pitch and catch. If you ever want to know uh, Tyler Herrick, uh, Tyler, I'm sure you're listening to this as you might be uh, editing it. Tyler, uh, during the training camp period, liked to say that he could complete an NFL slant throw and everyone gave him the hardest time in the world. Not only could Tyler have completed this slant throw, he would have completed this slant throw for a touchdown. That's how easy of a throw that was because there is nobody in that zone. It is literally Garoppolo going boop, and it is as simple of a pitch and catch as you could possibly get. So you listening to this, me, Tyler Herrick, my mom, everyone else, they have any idea how to throw a football, you could have completed that pass for a touchdown because there's nobody in that zone. And those are the things that need to get cleaned up. Van Ness should have been there. You can tell Razul, like Ford looks right at him after the play. Razul comes over and kind of chats with him and tells him what he was supposed to be doing. One of those, what looks very much like a rookie mistake for Lucas Van Ness. 
Then Jair Alexander, negative 0.6 grade, my third lowest graded player. A lot of this is run defense. I talked about this on uh, my live Q&A on Friday a little bit. Think of it this way. A lot of uh, Jair's snaps in coverage are zone coverage. And what happens is teams don't challenge him all that much because he's Jair Alexander, understandably so, which is really good. He's just dropping back into his zone and he's not getting challenged. So he's just literally kind of, you know, dropping back in his zone. Nobody throws at him. Dropping back in his zone. Nobody throws at him. So if you're grading that, there's not much to grade there. He's, he's not doing anything special. Anyone could have dropped into that exact same zone and did kind of what Jair did on that play. Now, that's not taking anything away from Jair. He's a phenomenal player, clearly. No, no question about it. But there, there's nothing really juicy to grade on those plays. And there have been some times where he's got challenged a couple of times, given up some completions. And meanwhile, he's been really poor in run defense where he's going to get negative grades. So if he's not getting thrown at and he's playing a lot of zone defense and just dropping into zones, not a lot of positives to counteract some of the negatives that are happening in run defense. Because of that, just so happens that so far, he's my lowest graded player on the season on defense for Green Bay. Now he had a tough game against Atlanta too. Remember a lot of the completions that he gave up in that game. So you talk about when he has been challenged, it's been a lot of completion or not a lot, but some completions allowed probably more than he would like. He hasn't played a ton of man coverage where you're going to get more positive grades for sticking with your guy, whether it's thrown at you or not. And on the flip side, when you're in zone and just dropping into coverage, a lot of times there's not much to grade there. And in run defense, it's been really poor, which is what we saw in this one, the big one where he comes up and just gets caught in mud and and Josh Jacobs makes a cut, runs right by him and gets what, 20 plus yards on the play. So it's been a tough start to the season for Jair. TJ Slayton, honorable mention, negative 0.55. I thought this is one of the tougher games of the year so far for TJ. Played far too upright. Got to get down more. Got to play with better leverage. Got to play with better pad level. He was far too upright for a huge majority of this game. Preston Smith, plus 0.1. I thought he actually probably, um, in general, made a bigger impact than maybe that grade shows. I thought he had a nice game. This is probably his best game on the season so far. I think he had a sack and then, uh, you know, just kind of some overall good run defense, good pass defense. I, I, he had the big SWAT down play on, a, th- I think, a third down in the in the red zone, or you kind of went to full Dikembe Mutombo mode. And then uh, Quay Walker, plus, one, uh, plus 0.15. I just love to see two plays in this one. He shot that gap early in the game and went and made a play in the backfield. That's what I want to see from Quay Walker. And that's not on Quay. That's on them giving him those opportunities to do that. But him shooting that gap and going and making a tackle for a loss, that's the Quay I want to see. And then there was another play where he probably had one of his better sheds of attack, or at least he, uh, you know, he gets there physically on the the offensive player, and then gets off of the block and is there to make a play. Need to see more of that from Quay Walker as well. Before he went out injured, he had a pretty nice day. So those are my uh, grades for this week. Top three offensive players: AJ Dillon, Dontavian Wicks, and Zach Tom. Bottom three: Jordan Love, Rashid Walker, and Josh Myers. Top three defensive players, Razul Douglas, Rudy Ford, and Jonathan Owens. Lowest three, Keyshawn Nixon, Lucas Van Ess, and Jair Alexander. Shout out to our newest Pro Bowl member, Vex, who always shows up in the uh, you know the live chats and Pack-A-Day Live and everything. He has been amazing. So Vex, happy to have you aboard as a member. Shout out to our All-Pro and Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shabra Dad, Arnoldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, and Donald Lee. If you're interested in becoming a Pack-A-Day Podcast YouTube member, check out memberships over on the Pack-A-Day Podcast YouTube channel. Live Q&A, usually every Thursday. 
You're going to get a brand new commercial-free video every single week that is only for members. There's a lot of other perks out there, so make sure to check that out. If you'd like your name mentioned on the podcast uh, every day that it's just me recording, uh, you can get that as well. That's going to do it though for me today. Always appreciate you guys. Check out those memberships. Subscribe if you haven't already. You know the drill. I'll see you guys soon, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.